Welcome into the Cyclone Scoop. I'm Alex Halstead from 24-7 Sports and CycloneAlert.com. I'm joined today by Aaron Marner of the Iowa State Daily. Aaron covered Iowa State football. Now you're covering Iowa State men's basketball. Uh, that's the purpose of today's show. Uh, the first episode, we had Iowa State head coach Matt Campbell. Uh, the second episode, Iowa State tight ends coach and recruiting coordinator Alex Golish. But um, figured we should dive into some basketball, especially here in the heart of the dead week or the bye week for Iowa State. And um, Aaron, we're sitting here um, talking on a Tuesday before Iowa State uh, goes to Kansas State uh, this weekend. Iowa State's won six of eight, uh, still in a good stretch, but I think a lot of Iowa State fans have a sour taste in their mouth after watching them fall behind by 19 on Saturday to TCU and then losing a game that I think a lot of people thought was a must win for them to contend for the Big 12. Yeah, for sure. And Coach Prom has talked about this at length this season about the importance of winning home games because you can't really afford to go 7-2 and two or 6-3 and three at home and still win the Big 12. You really have to be pretty clean there, go 8-1, and one, even 9-0 and oh at, at times. Um, and so to drop two home games already at this point, that really hurts Iowa State's chances in the Big 12 race, um, especially in the fashion that they lost to TCU. TCU has not been uh, you know, a super great team this year with the loss of Jalen Fisher earlier in the season. Um, and it's just... That one really hurts the Cyclones' chances at winning the Big 12. Um, but like you mentioned, they have K-State coming up here, and that should be a really good test for them. I think the thing that stands out to most people, I think, you know, I'm sure we probably agree on this, they have won the six of eight. Their two losses are a four-point loss at Kansas. Not a bad loss by any means. It's hard to win at Allen Fieldhouse. A loss to TCU that probably is a bad loss in the sense that, like you said, you can't lose at home. And to fall behind by 19 and then lose by whatever it was, 11 points, to a team that their last two road games before that had lost by 19 and 26, I think, to Baylor and Texas Tech. But do you think it's it's um, shown any flaws for this Iowa State team? I mean, both games, they got driven on. They, their ball screen defense, their um, really defense in general for both of those losses were kind of the, the factors in both of those games. I don't know if teams will exploit that moving forward, but it's certainly at least they seem to find an area that they're going to have to improve here come – the last couple of weeks of February and then into March. Yeah, for sure. Like you mentioned, the ball screen defense was not up to par against TCU. Um, and another issue, I think, is Iowa State tends to go on these cold streaks where they won't score maybe more than two points in a five- or six-minute stretch. Uh, and when that happens, of course, you know, a five-point lead becomes a six-point deficit, that kind of thing. So Iowa State has to figure out how can they, you know, stop those cold streaks and how can they, you know, get a go-to scorer to step up, whether it's Mario Shayok or Lindell Wigginton just someone that they can give the ball to when the offense is cold, you know, when they go 0 for 5 over a few minutes and, and lose a lead. They need someone to stop the bleeding. Um, I went back, actually, and watched the Iowa State-Kansas game on the road recently, and when, you know, Iowa State had that eight-point lead in the second half, K you know, Kansas made that big comeback, and they tied the game at 53-all. Iowa State had Mario Shayok on the floor, but he never touched the ball, and it ended up with uh, Taylor Horton-Tucker taking a fadeaway three. And that's not what you want when, you know, Iowa State is – is losing a big lead like that on the road in a big environment like that. You don't want a shot to go to a freshman, you know. And if Mario Shayok's on the floor or if Lindell Wigginton's on the floor, um, one of those two has to take the shot. And that was the thing, uh, going back to the TCU game, is they. I don't think I've ever seen a 22-2 run against Iowa State at Hilton Coliseum before that. Or you can say 22-2 or ended up being 27-4. I've never seen that at Hilton. I mean, you just don't see that. And they did have open looks from three. I don't think a lot of those three-point looks were bad shots. I mean, Nick Babb missed one at the top that was wide open. Um, I think Mariel Shayok missed one in the corner that was wide open. Um, there was, I think, probably a step-pack, Taylor Horton-Tucker three in there. 
um, that sometimes I think Prohm probably doesn't want. There weren't that was a lot more just misses, but that's been one of the questions I think in the last couple of months is who is the guy to step up when they need a basket? Um, you know, in in years past, you know, you, they've went to George Niang or Monte Morris or whoever it's been to say, okay, if if it's this situation where you got to end a run or you got to get this critical basket late, it's going to be one of those guys. It seemed like it was going to be Mario Shayak. You know, he kind of has stepped up in a couple games in the last few weeks, but it's just inconsistent. Is it Shayak? Is it Linda Wigginton? Is it Nick Weiler Babb? That's that's another thing. I think, you know, maybe the two of the things that I think they've got to continue to figure out are certainly defense. They've got to be more consistent. I, I don't know what they are in Ken Palm. I think last I saw they were 31, so they're starting to slip, but they're still okay. But they've got to figure out to be more consistent defensively and probably figure out at times, you know, who's going to be the go-to guy because they might have a different different leading score every night. They they are built where they can do that. For sure, yeah, just because of, you know, they have so much versatility and they, they start those four guards. And I think there's been four different players this season who have had at least 20 points for Iowa State. So they have different guys who can score and can have big nights. And so I think that's part of the problem is that they get so used to thinking, well, if it's not my night, someone else can have a big night because they've seen that from Jacobson, from Horton Tucker, from Shayok, from Wigginton. You know, Wyler Babb can score too at times. So... I think that they all trust each other, and at some at some points that might be a little bit too much trust just because, you know, when you need a bucket, when the game is on the line, you need someone to go to. And, you know, I think Shayak is probably the leading candidate for that, but right now they don't know who that is. So let's dive into the outlook, I guess. This is probably the best time, other than when you got to the midway point, nine games played, nine games remaining. This is probably the second best time to really look at what's remaining because I would say is sitting here in a bye week, um, time to regroup. Um, they probably would rather be playing this week. Um, but seven games left. Um, we're talking here before Kansas State plays at Texas, so that could really shift the race. If Kansas State uh, beats Texas, I think they'll have nine wins and be two games up on Iowa State. If they lose to Texas, Iowa State would still be within one game um, going into their weekend matchup with Kansas State. So that game can really shift things. But with seven games left, um, Let's just go through it, I guess. The seven games left are at Kansas State. Uh, they come back home versus Baylor, at TCU, home versus Oklahoma, at Texas, at West Virginia, then home versus Texas Tech. Uh, most of the projections, I think, ESPN's BPI is like 11.6 wins. What's Do you know what Ken Palm is? Uh, Ken Palm has them going 11 and 7 right now. So basically the same. ESPN's BPI, Ken Palm, 11 and a half wins or so, between 11 and 12 it's going to probably take at least 12 to split the league. It's starting to maybe look like it could take 13, but um, anywhere between there. Iowa State's going to obviously have to win out at home. They have to, you know, at home beat Baylor, uh, Oklahoma, and Texas Tech. We had said that, I think, before, though they had to beat TCU. But if you win those three, those three home games, you're at 10 wins. And I think the real question for whether or not Iowa State's going to compete is what they do on the road in those games. Obviously, at Kansas State's a difficult game. Um, at Texas, I think Texas is starting to figure some things out. Um, but I think at TCU and at West Virginia still represent some opportunities, even though TCU beat them already and um, has shown that they're capable, you know, a capable team. They're five and six, but they've actually been, I think, decent at home. Absolutely. And West Virginia, I think, just with how their season's gone and the uh, dismissing of two players this week, that's really going to shift that program too. So, I, you know, I don't think you can ever count out West Virginia just because they have a good home court advantage. Bob Huggins has been around for so long, and they've been so successful in the Big 12. But this really is looking like, you know, that should be a win for Iowa State because this is, this is probably the worst West Virginia team Iowa State will have faced since they joined the Big 12. Um, so, you know, that's a winnable game for sure. 
Um, you know, TCU, I think that's a game where Iowa State's going to be looking for revenge after what happened at Hilton Coliseum. Um, you never know how, you know, those emotions will play into it. That could hurt them. But um, that's certainly a winnable game. Um, and we've seen TCU showing a lot of inconsistency uh, in Big 12 games this year. You know, they'll they'll win a game at Hilton Coliseum, then they'll lose a home game right after that. So, um, you know, there's certainly winnable games. Uh, th- this K-State one coming up here could be really crucial, um, not just for Iowa State, but for the whole Big 12 with, you know, how strong Kansas State has been over the last 10 games or so. And, and obviously things can shift wildly, as we've seen in, in one weekend. You know, Iowa State, about a week ago by this time, their percentage of chance to win the Big 12 was like 55%. Now it's down to around 26, depending on um, who you look at. But it's just so jumbled at the top. I think really the five teams are Kansas State, Kansas, Texas Tech, Iowa State, Baylor. Um, I think Kansas State seems like they're going to stick in it. I mean, especially if they beat Texas um, after we talk here. Um, Kansas, I, I I do think Kansas is probably actually a lot better spot than people were. It's like the last week or so people were like – thinking the sky is falling on them. Now all of a sudden they're up to, what, eight wins, and they get West Virginia at home this weekend. That's, you know, probably nine and four. You know, two of their road games left, I think, are Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. You know, so they haven't been great on the road, but those are games that they're certainly capable of and probably should win. I mean, their most difficult game is probably, you know, hosting Kansas State, right? So I just I think Kansas is still going to be very much in it. And then Kansas State, it's interesting to see because I think Kansas State has a, has a – tough stretch coming up here soon um, and that's going to maybe be be the difference of do they hang on and extend that lead or do they start to kind of come back down because they're not as high in some of these metrics yeah Ken Palm's uh, Ken Palm has K-State more in like the 30 range they're 31st right now Um, and I think a lot of that's just because of they had some inconsistency early on in the year with you know Dean Wade's injury and so that's that's playing a factor in it for sure but yeah I mean it's been interesting just to see K-State exceed expectations while Kansas and some other teams have struggled. Um, Like you mentioned, I think Kansas has a more favorable schedule. Um, They do have at Texas Tech, which will be a tough game coming up here. Um, But besides that, Ken Palm gives them a 50% chance or better in every game. So, uh, you know, they could definitely finish, you know, they're eight and four right now. They could finish with 13 wins, 13 and five, or yeah, excuse me, 13, five or 12 and six, just depending on, you know, how they they do against K-State or some of those other teams. But um, you know, that'll be interesting to see with, with them. Um, of course, Iowa State and Kansas have both played uh, their two games already. Um, so, you know, those two teams could finish near the top and have been done with each other by, you know, mid-January. I think January, what was it, the 21st? So, um, you know, that's interesting just how that race could unfold. Um, but, you know, I, I do think it comes down to Iowa State, the two Kansas schools, and then Texas Tech. Um, I think those are the teams that have the legs to actually make a run here at the end. Yeah, Baylor's been good, but they they're gonna start to hit their gauntlet. I think I think they have overachieved what people expected for them, but I think it's partly a product of a schedule. Because look at their final seven games. They're at Texas Tech, at Iowa State, at Kansas State, at Kansas. They're not gonna be favored in any of those four games um, against the other teams in the top. You know, say they do lose those four games, that just it gives them a, still a solid footing in the conference compared to what they were in non-conference and what their projections were. But I think they're the team that probably is going to fall out of it a bit. Um, like like you said, I do agree. I think it's probably Kansas, Kansas State, Texas Tech, Iowa State. The question is how many does it take to win the league? I think 12 maybe gets you a tie. 13, I think if, if you win 13, I think you're for sure going to get a share of it. 12, maybe you get a share of it. Um, but – that's the thing is, is how many Iowa State's at seven right now with um, seven to go. Do they win? 
I think I could see them winning five. Can they go six and one the rest of the way? I think that that's difficult to me, but that's also us talking after a game that's probably one of their worst games of the year. Yeah, and Ken Palm also gives Iowa State at least a 45% chance in every game this uh, to end the season here. And, you know, so it's definitely possible. Um, obviously, the, the K-State game is going to be tough. Uh, at Texas will be tough. But there's a recipe there for Iowa State to, you know, win six of the, these last seven and, you know, scrape together at least a tie of the Big 12 race. But um, you never know. We also thought Iowa State was going to beat TCU, and that didn't happen. So um, a lot of things can change. So, you know, it'll be uh, pretty interesting to see how all four of those teams shape up at the end here. Plus, it's been a roller coaster. You know, they beat uh, Oklahoma State on the road to open conference play. Then they come back home and they beat Kansas by 17. And everybody's like, you know, nationally, it was like Iowa State is going to win the Big 12. Iowa State is the team that can knock off Kansas. The next week they go and lose at Baylor, which actually has turned out not to be necessarily a bad loss. Baylor's ended up being pretty decent. And then at home to Kansas State, which isn't a great loss, but Kansas State's the front runner to win the Big 12 right now, so neither bad. And then they go on that winning streak after that when people – because then after that, people are like, that's way too premature. The hype kind of got back up. It's just kind of back and forth. This team is capable of beating anybody. They're also capable, as we've now seen, of, you know, if their ball screen defense isn't good, if their four guards can't score all on the same night, that they might lose to a TCU at home. And, you know, it, last week, you know, people were calling them a Final Four sleeper, you know, and putting them in that list. It's just they are capable, but it feels a little bit like – you know, I think Fred's last team where they're capable of making that run. They're also capable of getting knocked out early, say, and then some like tournament or, or whatever, if everything doesn't click on that particular night. But their defense is much better than those years. You know, you know, Prohm said before the season he wanted to be top 25 defensively, top 25 offensively in adjusted defense or adjusted offense on Ken Palm. And they've mostly been there. They're now like, I think we said, you know, they've slipped a little bit. You know what they are. Uh, they are 32nd right now in defense. And they're like a, week, a couple of weeks, you know, within the last month or so, they've mostly been top 25. Yeah. And I think inching towards top 20 at times. So they have slipped there a little bit. That's probably partly a product of, of I think, 20 of 33 um, makes by TCO on Saturday were layups or dunks. You know, it's partly, you know, that performance. But um, before we dive into to this big game with, with Kansas State and the impact that could have and what we expect – Let's talk about maybe the NCAA tournament and what their resume is because they, at 11.45 or so on Saturday, they get announced as a four seed, the top four seed, the number 13 overall team in the five weeks early Selection Sunday preview. And three hours later, they you – know, who knows <laughs> who knows what they would have been seated if, if the committee would have waited to do that on Sunday. They probably wouldn't have been on the show. But, but they are probably somewhere – you know. At the, at the time Saturday, they were on the fringe of a three seed in the four range. Now, you know, they're probably anywhere from three to five, three to six. Um, I mean, what do, do you think that TCU loss hurts them much in that regard? Or do you, I mean, I think uh, it's classified, you know, on the team sheet as a quadrant two loss. You know, I, I think a, a big road win, going to win at Kansas State would, would do more for them than a home loss to TCU would hurt them. Yeah, for sure. And that's also what I think, um, you know, when people look at these rankings and stuff like that, the committee is looking a lot at, you know, road wins and stuff like that, things that will really show um, the potential that the team could have in March. So I think the wins like the win at Texas Tech, that's a big one. Um, winning, you know, if they can win this one against K-State, that would be a big one. Um, that goes a long way. And I think even 
it goes further than, like you said, it, it's, it makes a bigger impact positively than a loss does negatively at home, um, even to a team like TCU, just because, you know, TCU, they're not terrible. Um, you know, I think they're five and five in conference now or five and six after the, the Kansas game. But, um, you know, losses happen, um, especially in the Big 12. I think that getting a big win like that on the road against, you know, especially with how good K-State has been as of late, um, and they have a legit chance to win the Big 12. So winning that one would be a lot bigger, I think, than a loss to TCU. Um, as of right now, I think they are, yeah, they are, they're 16th right now in the net rankings. Um, so that's right on the four seed line. Um, that's kind of a tough spot to be in, I think, because, you know, I think a lot of Iowa State fans want to see Iowa State play in Des Moines. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of Midwest teams that are in that range. So um, they might have to jump over Michigan, Michigan State, some of those teams. Even Saturday when they were the best four seed, I don't think Des Moines was even probably likely then because you look at Purdue, Michigan, Michigan State, Marquette maybe going to Des Moines. Those teams are all ahead of them. Now Wisconsin is was, is kind of right in that range too of the – they're right now be – you know, as of last Saturday, we're behind Iowa State, but in that four seed range, there are so many schools, even Kansas. You know, do they send Kansas to Des Moines or do they send them to Tulsa, which is probably equal distance for Kansas? But only a couple teams can go to Columbus. You know, you know, some Midwest teams could go go to Tulsa, but Des Moines probably preferable there. Even Kentucky could go up to Des Moines and then go to the Kansas City Midwest Regional. So it's pretty jam packed year in those top four seeds for Midwest schools, and I think Des Moines looks pretty unlikely unless it's because of a matchup but I don't think it's it's looking very likely in terms of if they're a four if they end up a four seed it looks like it's going to be pretty difficult but just looking at their resume I think another thing is they don't have a bad loss really you look at the team sheet that the NCAA uses or the committee uses and they have obviously quadrant one quadrant two quadrant three quadrant four in quadrant three and quadrant four games they're 11 and 0 they have not lost to a quadrant three or quadrant four game not necessarily team because it, it can depend if the game's home or away so they're 11 and 0 in those you look at quadrant two they're three and two overall in quadrant two games and in quadrant one games they're four and four the good thing for them is in quadrant one games they still have four quadrant one games left and they have uh, three quadrant two games so all seven games that remain are quadrant one or quadrant two um, the quadrant one games left are home versus Texas Tech which is senior day uh, I think March 9th and then their three road games at Kansas State, at TCU, and at Texas are all quadrant one games. That prevent, presents a lot of opportunity because we just talked, you know, we think TCU's at least winnable. I mean, it should be a competitive road game. Texas is, I would say, it's never played great in Austin, but um, that presents a lot of opportunity and also a lot of chances where you're not necessarily taking a bad loss if you do lose one of those games. Yeah, for sure. Um, and like we mentioned, you know, winning on the, on the road, especially in Big 12, is so tough. Um, and not just for the Big 12 race, but for seeding also. Um, and that's why I think that Texas Tech game earlier was so big, and even the Oklahoma State game, just showing that you can rack up a few wins on the road away from home, um, that goes a long way for the committee and for the, like the team sheets that you mentioned. Um, getting those quadrant one wins, that really helps, especially when you talk about, you know, I don't think it's going to matter so much depending on, you know, are, are they going to make the tournament or whatever. But when you talk about teams being a four seed versus a five seed, and one team has seven quadrant one wins versus three, you know, I think that makes a big difference. Um, so that could be the difference between Iowa State being a three or a four, a four or five, and that kind of thing. Um, you know, their resume right now I think is pretty pretty strong, um, especially when you factor in, you know, the injuries that they had early on in the season when they lost to Arizona. And that's not even a bad loss, really, especially being a neutral site game. Um, but, you know, I think that the resume is, is pretty strong. I would guess right now um, if the season ended today, they'd be a five seed just because of, you know, that, that loss to TCU. But... Um, realistically, I think they could get as high as a three 
Um, you know, and that's assuming that they don't win the Big 12 championship or something like that in Kansas City. But what do you think their floor is? The floor, six? I'd say six, maybe even seven. Um, if they, you know, if they go four and three in these final seven games or so, um, that would put them, you know, that'd be, that'd be kind of tough on them. But um, you know, if they do that and they go one and done in Kansas City, I could see them falling down to a six or a seven seed. Um, but I think they're in that three to six range, depending on on how it goes. Um, but yeah, it's going to be tough with all those Midwest schools, just because they they could. You know, they could get a three or four seed and then get shipped off to the West Coast or to, to Salt Lake City or something like that for the first two rounds. That's the thing is I think it's shifted so much from the talk of um, Big 12 title. I mean, I think that's still in the back of people's minds a little bit, but they've kind of backed off that now. It's like it's all about tournament seeding. It's all about matchups and that sort of thing. And so people want them to solidify that decent seeding. I think a three seed, you know, what would it take to get a three seed? Probably – for sure 12 and 6, no worse than 12 and 6, and probably something doing something in Kansas City as well, probably picking up a quality road – or not road win, but a quality postseason win in Kansas City. Three seed is starting to seem less – obviously less likely, but hard to reach. But I would probably agree three to six is kind of what I say. I think six is probably about the worst case, but, you know, unless they really fall apart. I think if they just finish decently, they're probably not going to fall below a six seed. Right now, I'd probably say put them at like a five seed, and the scary thing there for them is you're facing a, a twelve seed, which is obviously typically the or it's not typically it is the last the lowest rung for a high major, um, and obviously that's part part of the reason it's along with the eleven seven game, eleven seven, eleven seven uh, and 6, twelve 11. six eleven and uh, twelve seven, five, yeah. along with those you know it's obviously the most common upset for that reason, um, but yeah it is going to be interesting to see how the seeding plays out and, and they do have opportunities for though, you know, wins to kind of solidify that. Um, I guess before we move on, what, what do you, th how do you think the rest of this season plays out? I guess it kind of puts us on the spot to make predictions, <laughs> but I think 11 and seven or 12 and six, um, it's hard for me to say 13 and five, because that means going six and one. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I can see that. I could, I would probably say 12 and six, I could see them going five and two. You know, they seem to be playing well on the road. I think they can beat TCU on the road. I think they have to beat West Virginia on the road, especially with, you know, Wes Harris and uh, Issa Maud gone. But I'd probably say 12 and six, and that probably gets them second place, whether that's behind one or two teams. I don't know. Yeah, I would say 12 and six. Um, and I think that they're probably closer to going 13 and five than they are to going uh, 11 and seven, just because. They've been good on the road this season so far. Um, you know, we saw them. They beat Oklahoma State already. Um, they, they fought Baylor down to the very end, fought Kansas down to the very end, won at Texas Tech, destroyed Ole Miss in the, the Big 12 SEC Challenge, uh, won at Oklahoma. So they really have been pretty pretty good on the road so far this year. Um, I don't think that they're going to do too poorly on the road here. They do have four road games still, which that part does hurt. Um, but, you know, K-State's winnable even with how good they've been. TCU is winnable. Like you mentioned, uh, West Virginia is in shambles right now, and that should be um, most likely a win for Iowa State. And then, you know, Texas, they haven't been too successful down there. Um, but I don't think anyone would be shocked if Iowa State won that game. Um, so I would not be surprised at all to see them go 3-1 and one in those four road games and then sweep Baylor, Oklahoma, and Texas Tech at home and go 6-1. and one. I do think most likely they do slip up once on the road, um, or excuse me, twice on the road, and then they end up 5-2 and two in this stretch. Um, which, you know, 12 and 6, that's not a bad record at all for Iowa State, um, considering where they were last year and how much uncertainty there was this season with, 
you know, at the beginning of the season with all the injuries and stuff. So 12 and six would not be too bad at all for Iowa State. Um, and that would put them in a, a good position going into Kansas City. Um, they'd probably be favored in the first, at least the first matchup, maybe there, the first two. Yeah, maybe a three or four seed there. Probably, I mean, 12 yeah. and six probably get you third or fourth in the conference, not necessarily place-wise, but in terms of, say, two teams tie at 13 yeah. and five. And then you're – but a three or four seed, you're playing, first of all, on Thursday and then um, a decent matchup. I'm trying to think, like, who it would be against, but an opportunity to get at least one win there. For sure. So I think – you know, if they go five and two, that puts them in good position going into Kansas City. Um, anything worse than that, and you're probably looking at them falling down maybe to a six seed, um, just because that means that they probably lost a game they should win with uh, these final seven games. So um, I would put them at five and two in these last seven games. That yeah, that's what I would go to is twelve and six. And the reason I'm actually, I had fans tweeting at me after the TC loss and said ten and eight and you know whatever. I don't see I don't see them going three and four the rest of the way. I think they have enough talent to get back on track. I don't think it's even necessarily looking at it through too positively even to say five and two because going into the TCU game, I think everyone was saying, okay, if the way they win the Big 12 is by winning out at home, those four, and going two and two on the road. So all we're saying by going 12 and six is winning out at home, which is not a gimme because they just lost at TCU at home. But winning those three games at home and still doing exactly what we thought they had to do to win the Big 12, and that's splitting on the road. And I don't know what the win probabilities are on the road, but um, they're going to be favored, or at least win probability-wise, maybe favored in Las Vegas or by odds makers by a couple points at West Virginia. Um, last I looked, TCU and Texas were about 50-50 toss-ups, although those might have changed because Texas and TCU have won games recently. But they could have a couple toss-ups and one they're favored in. If they can go 2-2 two and two on the road, take care of home – that's 12 and six, but that's all on paper. Yeah. And right now Ken Palm has them with a 49% chance against Kansas state, a 52% chance at TCU and 45% at Texas. And then West Virginia uh, is a 78% chance just because of how much, you know, they've been losing every game except for when they play Kansas somehow. But, um, you know, I think, you know, like you said, if they go two and two on the road, that puts them in good position going into Kansas city. Um, I think at worst they'll finish fourth in the big 12 at that point. Um, which would mean a second-round Big 12 matchup with the one seed. Um, so that part could be tough um, if they do end up finishing fourth in the league. But, you know, I think that would boost the resume enough where they'd be pretty comfortable as a four or five seed. And that could change depending what happens Saturday. Our, our thoughts might change. Like if they win Saturday, maybe we would completely change our outlook because that's probably, I think I, – you know, I shouldn't say I think. I think it probably is the most difficult road game remaining, and that would obviously shift a lot. It wouldn't shock me if Iowa State went to Manhattan and, and won. I mean, Kansas State's been good at home. I, I do think Kansas State's good, although I, I'm i not sure if – they might win the league. I'm not sure if they're that kind of team that you would have expected to. Um, I just don't know what to think about Kansas State yet. But I do think Iowa State's capable of going there and winning that. I wouldn't necessarily put – my money on them going there and winning that. But that that game could shift a lot. Uh, it's In the rankings, Iowa State number 23 versus number 18, another top 25 matchup. And like I said at the beginning, we're talking before Kansas State plays at Texas. But if Kansas State loses to Texas, um, it adds even more to that game because then Iowa State can close that gap. If, if Kansas State beats Texas on the road, they're really going to be the front runner to win the league. And that's going to be a huge game for Kansas State because they can get to, the, I think, then 10 wins on Saturday. And 
I think if they get to that point, even with a, a slight drop off in the final three weeks, Kansas State is going to at least share the title. Yeah, right now they're at eight and two, which puts them uh, two losses ahead of everyone because Kansas is second at eight and four, having just won last night. So at eight and two, yeah, they're they're sitting comfortable right now. Um, obviously, they played a night against Texas, but you know, if they win that one, they'll be nine and two. That makes the Iowa State game all the more important for uh, for everyone in the Big Twelve, really, because uh, at that point. Uh, it'll be really tough to catch a Kansas State team that starts nine and two when everyone else has at least four losses at that, at that point. So, um, you know, I, I think K State right now they're in the driver's seat for sure. Um, Iowa State really could use a loss for Kansas State tonight um, if they want to, you know, stay in this race. Um, that would also put Texas back in consideration. They would be seven and five with a win, so they'd be, you know, they'd have one more loss than most teams, but seven wins would put them um, pretty comfortable in there. So. You know, I, I think that this, you know, this game against uh, K-State, they've been kind of interesting all season just with the injuries to Dean Wade, um, and they're a very senior-heavy team. They made the Elite Eight last year, and I think people kind of forgot about that. Um, with a, yeah, it, I always tried to They wonder, had a favorable like, schedule, for yeah, sure. Yeah, I always tried to – I think they're a good team. I don't know if they were an Elite Eight team most years or not because they had the busted bracket, but in college basketball, experience carries goes a long way, and they have – that experience with Dean Wade and Barry Brown. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're very senior heavy. Um, like you mentioned, Wade and Brown, um, Kamau Stokes, um, Bruce Weber's been, you know, he's been around major college basketball for years. So um, I think that they're they're ready for this. They know what's at stake here. Um, it'll just be interesting to see how they can, you know, handle this pressure of, you know, they still have to play at Kansas. Um, they still have to host Iowa State coming up here. So they've got some some big name teams coming in here. Um, and, you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see them either sweep those or, you know, lose both of them. But, um, you know, they, ha they hadn't – the senior class for Kansas State hadn't won against Kansas in their entire time before uh, they beat them, I think, just last week. So, um, you know, that Kansas State team is turning the tide around there. But, um, you know, I think Iowa State's got a good chance on Saturday just because of how close we saw them play at Hilton. And, you know, Iowa State really – they were up by seven, I think, in the final – four or five minutes there yeah, and then it got they were still up five with like 242 I mean that's a game mm -hmm. that if they miss the league by one it, that's going to be one they look at I think even more than TCU because TCU they just yeah, kind of sure. got it handed to them Kansas State they were up five with two minutes 42 seconds um pretty similar to what they had to do at at Oklahoma they had to just finish out those final possessions they didn't do it against Kansas State last time I, I do think a reason that the Kansas State game is still winnable is they're a lot like Texas Tech in that they're relying so much on their defense. And if their offense is not very good, it it gives you a chance. They're 143, I think, in adjusted offense on Ken Palm, number six in defense. I don't know what the breakdown is on Texas Tech. I think Texas Tech's offense has been better than Kansas State, although they're kind of reliant at times on one player. Um, but if, if Iowa State's playing them in, in the 50s late, like I think it was 57-56 at Hilton – that gives Iowa State a chance because it's, Kansas State's not the type of team most of the time that's going to blow you out because offensively they just – they really struggle. And I think that's what gives Iowa State a chance. And that's why I still am iffy on Kansas State making a run or, or anything like that because maybe they will. Maybe their defense will carry them. But if there's a – they're so capable of having a bad night offensively that can get them beat. Yeah, K-State, they've had a lot of low-scoring games. Um, like you mentioned, the the game against Iowa State where they lost or where they won 
Um, they played Texas Tech, you know, two of the best defensive teams in the country, but that game was uh, 63-57. They played them twice, actually, and the other one was 58-45. So a lot of these games are being played in the low 60s or even in the 50s. So, you know, I think it's in Iowa State's best interest. They haven't been pushing the pace like the Hoiberg teams have, but, you know, I think it's in their best interest to get out and run, use that athleticism, use those four-guard lineups, um, and try to push the pace as much as possible. Um, the more they play in transition, I think the better off they'll be K-State is really good when you let them get set up in the half court um, on defense just because of, you know, they're so experienced on defense. They have all those, those seniors, and they, they just play tough. Um, and so Iowa State's best bet, I think, is just to use that athleticism. You know, Taylor Horton Tucker or Tyrese Halliburton poke out some steals and get in transition. Um, and then if they can spread out the floor and hit some threes, that'll really go a long way. But, you know, that's easier said than done, as we've seen with – Kansas State all season you know they're eight and two they've won their last eight big 12 games um, which is a really impressive feat but um, you know just Iowa State's best chance is just going to be to get out in transition um, push the pace as much as possible um, and just force as many possessions as they can because I think Kansas State wants it to be a 55 to 50 game or you know a 60 to 65 game kind of thing they want it to be low scoring they want it to be controlled at their own pace and so Iowa State's got to get them out of that rhythm what does Ken Palm project for that game I mean score wise and like point differential uh Ken Palm has Kansas State winning 64-63 with a 49 percent chance for Iowa State yeah so I mean it is that low scoring game um to me I think the key is going to be Mario Shayok he's had one game this year that he hasn't scored in double figures and that was Kansas State I remember after the game Bruce Weber even said our whole thing was trying to deny him the ball or to make him give up the ball to frustrate him. Um, Steve Prohm said after the game that it was kind of a learning moment for Shayak in the sense that he had to tell him, like, I think he told him after the game, like, hey, you can't get frustrated. Like, if they're not calling fouls, they're not calling fouls. I think Shayak was really frustrated that game because he felt like he was getting knocked off the ball and, and fouls weren't being called. I don't even remember who the, the officials were. I'm sure that was a game fan's – weren't very happy, but he played 38 minutes and went four of nine from the field with nine points. Um, I mean, he really, really struggled that game. And I think he's going to kind of be a key because I'm sure Kansas State's going to attack with a similar game plan. If he does get denied, if he does, you know, struggle a little bit, they do have to, like you said, have Taylor Horton Tucker or Lindell Wigginton make some sort of impact scoring because they can't go in those lulls. This is the type of game when I don't remember what the lulls were going back to that Kansas State game, but there were several points where just offensively they they didn't know what to do because Iowa State's not always – they're not very good when they have to slow it down and, and play that half-court style. They've got to be a lot better at executing some of that half-court stuff in this game, and I think some of that's going to come down to how much they frustrate and how much they deny, you know, Shayok. Well, the good news for Iowa State is that – you know, Lindell Wigginton has kind of come on strong as of late. He did have a kind of a dud against Texas, but his last five games, he's had 18 points, 28, 5, 18, and 10. And so I think, you know, that's positive if you were Mario Shayok or if you're Steve Prohm and you're thinking, you know, if, if Kansas State is going to focus all their energy on Shayok, you know, Wigginton should have at least, you know, he won't be facing the best defender on Kansas State most of the time that he's in there. So uh, that could help Iowa State quite a bit if uh, Lindell Wigginton is able to go out there and you know if even if he chips in 12 or, or 14 points that could go a long way especially in a low scoring game like this so um you know it'll be up to you know either Shayok to take over like you said he you know he'll be a key for this game um or else someone else to to fill that role and get a 15 to 20 point game 
Let's end by taking a quick peek ahead. Iowa State put out two new offers to 2019 players, and I think it surprised people a little bit because they've signed three in this class, um, and Trey Jackson, a guard out of uh, South Carolina, Marcetus Leach, a, a guard slash wing out of Arkansas, and then um, Luke Anderson, a forward, although he considers himself a wing. Um, I think in probably Steve Prohm's system is can be that wing at three or four uh, out of Florida. So they signed three. That brought them even to scholarships, 13 scholarships for 2019-20. So now they put out two offers uh, yesterday, one of them um, down in Florida to Harland Beverly, a combo guard. Uh, you know, he's number 80 overall in the 24-7 sports composite. And then uh, Clarence Nadolny, I don't know if that's how you say it, but he's from France originally, but at, is at a school in, in Pennsylvania. He's a six foot two combo guard also. So two guard offers go out and people are like, does this mean something's going on? But, you know, when we talked to Prone back in November, he's long been saying, like, they're going to keep options open, open, whether that's high school or transfer, sit out, grad transfer, whatever, because they still think Lindell Wigginton at that time could go pro. I don't know how much his injury is going to hurt. I would still probably lean him going pro. Uh, I think Taylor Hort Tucker will test the waters but ultimately come back if I had a guess today. Um, I don't think either of these are surprising or shocking offers, but I think it shows that they do want to continue to recruit and especially with the possibility that maybe Lindell Wigginton's not back for junior season. Yeah, I agree with what you said. Um, I think Lindell Wigginton probably, as of today, would be going pro. Um, you know, he his name has been up there in some mock drafts uh, kind of as a late second or as a late first round guy um, or early second round guy. Um, you know, Taylor Horton Tucker's also got some interest, but I think ultimately he will come back because, you know, he's still so young. He just turned 18 in November, so – um, I think that, you know, NBA teams will tell him, you know what, go back for one more year, uh, work on your shot a little bit, work on, you know, being more consistent, uh, and then he'll he'll go pro probably after his, his sophomore year. But you never know. Um, you know, I don't think there's any point in speculating on transfers or anything, um, but that is something that's been much more prevalent in college basketball these days. So, it you know, it wouldn't I don't think it would shock anyone if there was a transfer out of this program or someone who does go pro, um, you know. And so it's never a bad idea uh, to go out there and just – you know, test the waters and see if there is anyone interested in, in um, showing up, especially someone as talented as those guys. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't think it means anything big. It shouldn't be too surprising. Um, they're going to keep recruiting until everyone's on campus anyway. And, you know, the grad transfer window won't open up for a while. So, um, you know, we'll see how, how that breaks down. But I don't think this is anything to be surprised about. Yeah, I think when all said and done, they'll have a couple scholarships. And like you said, it's not worth speculating on how those scholarships come open. But there's been a scholarship open that's come open every year, whether it's because of the NBA, um, which actually really hasn't happened in terms of, terms of early entries for Iowa State. But, or I mean, there's always something. And I think Steve Prohm has acknowledged that since you can go back to last spring and he's been saying probably going to recruit like they have a fourth spot because of Linda Wigginton. And that kind of all ties it together. Like this is going to be a big three to four weeks for Wigginton, not just for helping Iowa State win. I mean, he's not going to want to talk about or think about the NBA, but subconsciously that's a big part of it too. Like this could be a big stretch for him because, you know, if he plays well, and this is what Steve Prohm's quote was, like if Wigginton plays well, it probably means Iowa State's playing well, and it probably means good things for both of them, both in terms of Iowa State's Big 12 and postseason chances and Wigginton's chances to kind of reassert himself into NBA mock drafts or into NBA front office, like their person, the minds of their personnel, because I think he probably did slip a little bit with that injury. Um so it's interesting to think about, but that's more forward-looking. So uh, thanks for taking some time to uh, be on the show, and um, I'm sure 
um, people will kind of look at our projections if if they're wrong. I mean, <laughs> if they're right, people probably won't tell us we're wrong, but uh, or that we're right. So, thanks again, and um, I'll probably have you on a, a little bit later in the season. Sounds good. Thanks for having me.